First Metrosec is providing this podcast as a general market commentary. Reference to any specific security, product, or entity do not constitute as an offer or a solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments or to participate in any particular trading strategy. The statements, comments, views, or opinions expressed by the hosts are subject to change without notice and First Metrosec is under no obligation to update, amend, change, or correct any of the statements, comments, views, or opinions expressed. The statements, comments, views, and opinions expressed by the guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect the view of First Metrosec. First Metrosec disclaims any liability arising from reliance on or reference to any information obtained in this podcast. Podcast Network Asia. You are listening to First Metro Securities Philippine Stock Market Weekly Podcast, where we feature timely and relevant discussions on the Philippine stock market and the economy in the hope of providing you investing and trading guidance. Here's your host, Royce Aguilar, from the Research Department at First MetroSec. Good afternoon, everyone. We are in for another stock market wrap-up. So we will discuss what happened in the month of September. And we have special topics for you guys. So of course, first we will summarize what happened in the month of September. What do you watch out for in October? We will talk about the collapse of Evergrande, right? What is it all about? Who is Evergrande? And we will talk about the notable outperformance this month. You will notice that the market, I will show to you later, that the market has only gone up by over 1%, but a lot of stocks have outperformed. And we will talk about why they did outperform. And then we will talk about long-term picks. We actually have one new pick for you guys. And then two new traders' playbook picks, okay? So first, let's talk about what happened in the month of September. So in, in September, the PSA went up by 1.4%. We closed at 6,952.88. And then year-to-date, we're just down by 2.6%. Okay, so let's discuss what supported the market in the month of September. Keep in mind, Last August, we were up by over 8%, if I'm not mistaken. And in the month of September, it was sustained with the market up by 1.4%. So if you notice, there's the subsiding number of COVID-19 cases in the country, right? You will notice in the news, there's this uh, low virus reproduction number nationwide, especially in NCR, right? So that supported market sentiment. There's this implementation of less restrictive granular lockdowns. Of course, you, you will notice... Or Metro Manila for from MECQ to alert level for GCQ that it's still kind of the same restrictions, but you will notice at least nationwide it's now granular, focused on the barangays, barangay level, right? So that at least that is less restrictive in on a nationwide perspective. And BSP continues to be accommodative. And then what dragged the market? Mainly because you will notice that the market has attempted to trade above seven thousand, but it has failed to stay above 7,000, right? There's this hesitancy for the market to trade above 7,000. So there are a couple of reasons. So there's the less dovish U.S. Central Bank. What does less dovish mean? Meaning they're less accommodative moving forward. They plan to taper their bond purchases. What does that mean? Meaning that's like a stepping stone towards raising interest rates next year. So of course, once the central bank raises interest rates, that's not good for equities or the stock market. And there's this Evergrande issue, which we will discuss on the next part of the presentation. And then looking at the price action of the market, just like what I mentioned, there's this hesitancy to trade above 7,000. At, at this point, it has been key resistance level um, at 7,000. If you want to talk about 
the specific technicals, the, the market is still short-term bullish, okay? The, the market is still short-term bullish. It's still trading above its key moving averages, specifically the 50-day, 100-day, and 200-day, okay? So that means that the market is still on a short-term uptrend, but just like what I've mentioned, it's facing a heavy resistance at 7,000. It's very crucial that it trades above 7,000 or else we might pull back further. So if you take a look at the trading plan, especially for those price specific, you can trend followers can further accumulate once the market breaks above 7,000. And then if you're, again, if you're price specific, you can set your cut loss below 6,600 or 64. So what do you watch out for in the month of October? Again, the Delta variant and its implication to the lockdown measures in pH. I think the main question here is, will the reproduction number continue to subside? We have seen this situation before. The, the cases rising, the cases decreasing, and then case rise again. So the question here is, okay, right now, the number of cases is, it seems to have peaked already at around 20,000. So the question is, will the cases continue to subside or will it rise again? I think that's the question we have always asked for the past 18 months already. But that's the thing that it's still something to watch out for in the market. That will determine if the market will trade above 7,000 or not. In terms of economic data to watch out for, there's this manufacturing data tomorrow for both the Philippines and in the other countries. Inflation data for us, October 5, keep in mind, the August inflation is around 4.9%. So that's quite high. Will it be sustained in the month of September? That's the good thing to watch out for, especially oil prices are rising. And then oil remittance is on October 15. And then for US, there's jobs report on October 8th, inflation number, the must-watch data on October 13th, and then the third quarter GDP for US, October 28th. And then just like I've mentioned, the manufacturing data for other countries, and then for EU, Japan, there's this interest rate decision on October 28th. For US, uh, a lot of corporate earnings will already be released for the third quarter this uh, in the month of October, so that's something to keep in mind how much it has improved quarter and quarter and compared to third quarter of 2020. I think usually in the month of October, in the latter part of October, there are you know several Philippine companies which will release their earnings. I think usually it's the banks that release their earnings relatively earlier than the others. So something to watch out for also, especially along with the property, the financial sector has, has lagged in terms of share price. And again, COVID-19 vaccine-related news, the vaccine is the solution. Cases may come and go, but if, if a lot of people are vaccinated already, there will be less deaths and room for economic reopening. And then global inflation, okay? especially right now, oil prices are rising, power prices are rising. Global inflation is a must-watch because it also affects us. So let's talk about the Evergrande, right? how it collapsed. And let's talk about who is Evergrande in the first place. So Evergrande Real Estate currently owns more than 1,300 projects in more than 280 cities across China. So the, the interesting about Evergrande Group is it's not only a real estate, it's not only involved in real estate, it's also involved in wealth management, electric vehicles, food drink manufacturing, it even owns a football team. So th what happened was when Evergrande expanded aggressively, Basically, the total borrowings are around 300 billion US dollars. So the problem started when Beijing brought in new rules to control the amount owed by big real estate developers. So these new measures led Evergrande to offer its properties at major discounts. So now it's struggling to meet the interest payments on its debts. 
So probably everyone was also affected by the COVID-19. Mainly because it affected, they borrowed a lot. And then demand for property was significantly affected. So they're now looking at a huge loss. So there are several reasons why Evergrande's problems are serious. So first, of course, many people bought property from Evergrande. So they, they have paid deposits already. So they, they, there's a huge chance that they may lose their money if it goes bust. The web here is now starting where Evergrande is involved in other sectors, right? So of course, firms including construction, design firms are at risk of incurring major losses that could also force them into bankruptcy by businesses that are connected with Evergrande. Another is it has a potential impact on a nationwide scale for China because it owes money to around 171 domestic banks and other financial firms. So if, if it defaults, that will hit all those banks and financial firms. So there's also this um, risk that if Evergrande defaults, the banks and other lenders may be forced to lend less. So now it could lead to credit crunch. So companies will struggle to borrow money at affordable rates. So that could impact China's, not only the financial system, but the image of China as an attractive place to put their money. So that could also indirectly affect Philippines because we have, been, we have mentioned that, at least uh, on a foreign investor perspective, China is part of this MSI Asia. We are part of MSI Asia, emerging markets, right? So given that China takes into account a lot of, of the weight of MSI emerging markets, it makes the MSI emerging markets unattractive as a whole, which indirectly impacts the Philippine equities, right? So of course, th this comes into question. If the Philippines does pull back because of this Evergrande collapse and we're not directly affected, that could only be room to buy the pullback. So some, that's something to you know take into consideration. But at the end of the day, we know who is Evergrande and why its problems are serious. Because of course, we could use this as a reference moving forward. If ever it happens... Here in the Philippines, I hope it does not, but at least we know how it came into play. But this is probably one of the segments that a lot of you are watching out for, the notable outperformers this month. And why? So first, Converge. Converge, very amazing run. It closed at 40 pesos by the end of September. So let's discuss why. Of course, besides the business, the growing business, there was a lift in the share price because it was added to several index indices. It was added to the FTSE, Financial Times, Stock Exchange, Global Equity Index. Of course, why is it important that it gets added to an index? Because it makes them more attractive to foreign investors because foreign investors can buy Converge and they can participate in the growth. Not only that, it will soon be traded over the counter in the US in the form of ADRs, American Depositary Receipts. PLDT is trading in the US in the form of American Depository Receipt. So Converge plans to do that as well. So of course, if they're available over the counter in the US, US investors, not only them, global investors can buy Converge, right? In my experience, if I want to buy Chinese names in the US, I could do so via American Depository Receipt. So Converge will have that opportunity as well. So a lot of people now, not only local investors, can participate in Converge's growth prospects. From Monday, it was bought up in anticipation of this likely addition in the PSEI in Feb. So it's quite far. But I, I think besides the likely addition in the PSEI in Feb, that's, that's supposed to be Feb 2022. I think 
there's this anticipation that Monday will be added in several indices like MSCI in November. And we, we have brought that up in our reports for Monday. But nevertheless, that's something to look forward to and something to consider when you want to buy the dip in Monday. For APAV, this is one of the more interesting stories this month. I think obviously, prior to the news, a lot of people or investors are already bought up these two stocks. And then we were wondering why, right? And then, of course, there, there's this news that AAV sold 25% of AP to Jera Asia. Jera Asia is Japan's largest power generator. If you do the math, AAV is selling AP for around 40 pesos per share. So, of course, when the news came out, it's kind of a sell on news kind of event. But at least it made sense now why it was rallying in the first place prior to the news. Besides that, AP said is a power generation company. And right now, there's this crisis in China, power crisis, when demand is uh, significantly outweighing supply. So there's a supply crunch in, in China. So that's pushing up power prices. And that also affects the, the power price in other markets, right? So it, with AP being a power generation company, it benefits in a sort of way because it passes on the cost to consumers, right? So that's how it will benefit. They, they can sell their power at a higher price. It's the same case for the stocks that I will mention. But before that, PLDT, it also rallied because it secured a PayMaya, secured a digital banking license from BSP. So how is PayMaya connected to PLDT? Voyager Innovations, that's the fintech arm of PLDT, is the operator of PayMaya. For ICT, this has been the outperformer for so for you know for months now. And it's worth noting that there's disruption in global supply chains, there's shortages in containers, and surges in worldwide trade. So it's sort of a same peg with the power, right? There's huge demand, then lack of supply. So that pushes up shipping costs, which benefits ports like ICT. And then for AC Energy, yeah, same with AP. It's it's also rallying because of a higher power price. There's also a rally in natural gas price, which benefits you know companies involved in the in the in the space. Same with Semerara. For Semerara, that's why it rallied earlier. There's also a huge demand in China, as for for coal. So Semerara is exporting coal to China. Besides that, Semerara is also a power generation company. So higher power prices also benefit Semerara, especially Semerara participates in the wholesale electricity spot market, right? So. Since higher there, there's there's a tendency of higher spot market prices, given the China power crisis, that benefits Semerara because it can sell its its supply at a higher price. And then lastly, for Apollo Global Capital, there's this news that its subsidiary forged a mining mine consortium agreement, right, for its offshore iron mining project in Cagayan. So keep in mind, because Apollo Global prior to the mining business that it's into now, it does not have a really stable operation prior to that. So right now, the, the market is pricing in that maybe Apollo Global will be profitable moving forward. So that's the story. So these are the notable outperformers in the month of September. So now, we move forward with the stock picks. Basically, our topics remain to be the property sector. Admittedly, th- these names have lagged in terms of share price. And it's because Investors are still waiting out for this sustainable reopening, which, uh, of course, we have not yet seen right now. We are, we're just shifting from one lockdown to another. And that, that that's not bode well for economic reopening winners such as the property and financial sector, which, are, again, have notably lagged in terms of share price despite the market 
trading nearly 7,000 already. But again, if you ask yourself, where's the upside? where will the upside come from within the next 12 to 24 months, we are still of the same view that the property and financial sector will give you that outperforming return within the next 12 to 24 months. Keep in mind kasi economically opening winners sila. So for example, for the property, unless there's sustainable reopening in malls, diba? magka-cap yung earnings rebound ng property names. The mall segment has actually been the one dragging the property names for the past quarters. But for us, we find we, we, we're positive, or at least we're, it's a welcome development that the residential business is already rebounding. That's why we're, we're positive in the other land also because 65% of its operating income comes from the residential business. Same for SM Prime, reservation sales, we expect that to rebound strongly this year at around 20%. Right now, kasi, remittances remain to be resilient. There's still low interest rate environment, right? And consumer confidence is poised to be better moving forward. So again, the, the, main, the main catalyst parent for these property names is the reopening of the mall segment, right? That will unlock the, the growth prospect, the short-term growth prospect for these names. Same for Robinson's Land. Um, but for Robinson's Land, though, it's, it has a property in China which is already contributing as we speak. Of course, it, the yung property naman ni Robinson's Land is a, is a different case. It's already contributing positively. Right? That does not mean there's a property, there's one property company struggling in China. All property companies are struggling. That's not the case. Right? For RLC, again, as you mentioned, it's already contributing positively for RLC as we speak. So... Target price for RLC is 26 pesos. Okay, moving forward with the consumer discretionary, we actually raised the target price for San Miguel Food and Beverage from 93 to 115. So let me just read on why we raised the target price for FB. Of course, we're just we're rolling over the earnings already. And since we expect higher earnings in the coming years, hence the target price increase. The question is why? So despite fluid rules, on social gatherings, curfew and liquor bans, beer and spirit volumes clawed back faster than so far assumed. So we expect momentum to be sustained in 2022, especially there's uh, election spending. So that should benefit FB. So for the food segment, as we look ahead, we expect tapering pantry loading behavior to be offset by the return of institutional sales volume, especially as we expect food services to come back along with further economic reopening. So that's basically our thesis on why we like FB. So of course, right now it pulled back. It was already trading at 80s and right now at mid 70 Charlotte. So it's a good time to, to buy back. And then for RHI, for RHI, our target price for this one is 81 pesos. We actually are increasing this to 83. For RHI, basically, we continue to like the, the company because of how it will benefit from the further reopening of the economy. So for, the question is, why is it not? rallying yet because most of its segments are exposed to malls. Same with the property segment. It's not yet rallying because of its significant exposure to the mall segment, diba. So for for RHI, it's just a matter of time. We just have to be patient with it. At the end of the day, we have a high target price for RHI. We're not, we're not alone. A lot of experts are thinking RHI has a huge upside. And keep in mind for the second point, the balance sheet of RHI remains to be healthy. It has a huge cash position that it's yet to deploy. And then another buy pick of ours, just to reiterate, for Monday Nissan, I, I continue to 
put this in the, in this slide despite it not being at our topic. It's one of our buy pick because it's us. Again, I, I mentioned that it's one of the notable outperformers this month. It pulled back significantly. It rebounded well today. It, it's kind of a good to buy the dip, right? It, I think when Monday was rallying to 20 pesos, we were wondering, uh, shocks, I missed the rally. When can I buy back? This is the time to buy back. So besides the first reason, what we would like to stress or emphasize is that there's a high probability that this stock will be included in major benchmark indices like MSCI and PSEI, FTSE and PSEI. There's a high probability that Monday will be added in the PSEI by Feb. Okay, Once it does get added, there will be huge inflow, especially from foreign. Okay, So that we should take advantage of the dip right now. That's the main point of this uh, slide. So our target price right now is 21 pesos. But we're looking to, you know, reevaluate the our target price and increase it further. So that's for Monday. And then this is our new buy pick. We were initially um not so positive on this stock, but right now we're positive on Jollibee. So our target price for Jollibee is now at 228. We lift our margin assumptions in view of the positive impact of Jollibee's business restructuring initiatives. There's also recovering food services demand globally. And lesser drag from the loss-making businesses of Smash Burger and Coffee Bean. So overall, these factors should pave the way for better stock performance this year. So I would like to stress out the recovering food services demand globally. So right now, because I'm, I'm, I'm working from home in the US and I noticed the Jollibee stores here are, you know, the Jollibee stores, a lot of people are dining in. Because in the US, because it's somewhat normal situation already. And I'm excited to see the same situation in the Philippines moving forward. But the point is, the recovery is already happening in other countries. So Jollibee is already recovering as we speak. Going to the second point, while foreign operations continue to pick up the slack, we take comfort that domestic sales have reached a sustainable level of demand despite fluid quarantine restrictions. Okay, so, so our target price for Jollibee is 228 For the financial sector, same with property, it has lagged in terms of share price movement. But again, if you ask us where will you gain from if you're long-term investors where will you gain from in the next 12 to 24 months we are of the view that it's the reopening winners okay we have been mentioning these stocks since the start of the year but of course the, the delta variant came in it delayed the expected recovery but the, the recovery will still be there it's just a matter of when and we expect that within the next one to two years definitely same story with bdo target price 162 bpi same story 105 for the first time listeners, of course, we don't cover MetroBank because we're part of the, the, the group, but we have a research partner, Development Bank of Singapore, that covers MetroBank and they have a target price of 67 for the stock. And then SM has been holding quite well in terms of share price. SM is our topic because it basically captures the economic reopening story that we are pushing for because it has exposure in property, retail, banking, all economic opening sectors which where we anticipate recovery to be robust so in terms of our topics as of earlier september 13 our target price so for those uh, listening to the podcast i'm just gonna mention the upside for sm there's still a 26 percent upside for ayala land 52 percent for smph 28 percent for rlc 62 percent for FB, 51%. For RHI, 56%. For BDO, 46%. And for BPI, 29% upside from the share price as of September 30. 
and just to show our model port, so the PSCI has been outperforming compared to our picks, mainly because if you notice, you know, ICT, Converge, have done quite well. But nevertheless, we expect our, our stocks to outperform, again, as mentioned, in the next one to two years or so. In terms of traders' playbook picks, I, I just like to mention two picks that we are seeing. Of course, you know how we are, uh, we are positive in the PSCI names. I'll, I'll mention a couple of names outside of the PSCI versus Shakey's. You will notice it's more of a technical play based on what we saw in Recognia. So basically, it's a good buy once it breaks above 8 pesos. It's a sort of economically opening play also. Of course, most of the sales of Shakey's right now is on delivery, but it, it helps a lot if there's economic reopening and people can eat in restaurants again. Despite the current restrictions, management is still positive that they will post a net profit this year. So as of the first half year, they already posted $14 million in net income. But right now, they expect the sustained growth in delivery services to offset the losses in the restaurant business. And they even plan to open 14 more stores in the second half of the year. So that's interesting. So that's Shakey's. And then next is Eagle Cement. For Eagle Cement, it's more of initially when we wrote this report on September 24, it was trading near its support of 14 pesos. And we thought that it's a favorable risk reward trade to take advantage of. In terms of fundamentals, for Eagle, they have this plant expansion in Bulacan. There's this fifth finished mill, third pack house, and other supporting facilities already undergoing commissioning and should start to operate sometime this year. Of course, once operations begin, Eagle's production capacity will increase by 1.5 million metric tons to a total of 8.6 million metric tons. So that will give Eagle this distinction of having the largest cement plant in the country. It's somewhat of a technical play, just trading, you know, take advantage of the recent pullback. So that's for Eagle. So pizza and Eagle. But of course, we have a lot of serious playbook picks. If you take a look at this um, slide, for those listening to our podcast, we are showing the outperformance of our traders' playbook picks compared to the PSEI. We also have a 71% hit ratio as of the nine months of this year. So we congratulate those who uh, have followed our recommendations. We take pride that despite, of course, the 29% that did not hit, there's a minimize, minimal losses because we always apply good risk management in our traders' playbook reports. So 71% hit ratio. And then if you average all of the gains and losses, that's around 7% compared to PSEI of down 2.6%. So huge outperformance. We also do sell calls. So this is the performance of our sell calls. Um, you can see there around eight correct sell calls and one mistake. So again, for all our traders' playbook reports, that's a 71% hit ratio. So now this is the time we uh, open the floor to questions. We will give you guys two minutes to send in your questions. So thank you. Okay, I'm putting the floor to your question. So first up is how are local REITs affected by the Evergrande collapse? So that's a good question. And the answer there is not necessarily affected. At the end of the day, the properties included in the REITs are usually quality. Keep in mind that not all offices of the companies are included in the REITs, right? The, the, the parent company can actually pick the ones that get included in the REITs. Fortunately, the ones that are included in our local REITs are quality and are not in business with Evergrande. So to answer your question, so they're not directly affected. So basically, our REITs are still quality. 
right? So it's good to have exposure on our local REITs in terms of your portfolio. Again, another question is how would the market consider the rollout of the alert system to the entire country? So, well, actually, the more I think the market has already taken that into account. And despite, you know, the rollout, despite the sustained restrictions in Metro Manila, the market has done quite well. September, nga, we're still up by over 1%. So, I think the market is, is kind of neutral in the alert system. At the end of the day, though, just like what I've mentioned, we want to see cases further decline. And we want to see higher vaccination rates, especially outside Metro Manila, for us to sustainably reopen. Kasi even if, if for example, if Metro Manila lang vaccinated, tapos nagkakahawaan naman other regions, pwede rin mahawin yung Manila again, diba? So, it's very important that we see higher vaccination rates outside Metro Manila as well. Okay, so next question, a good question. So how will the approval of the Senate affect Manila Water? So it's supposed to be net positive. It's Actually, it's supposed to be positive, right? Because it increases their, it assures them that they can operate past 2022. Okay, so it, it should be positive for Manila Water, right? And if you ask me, I think that has been, you know, slightly priced in already. But nevertheless, it, it's not kind of a sell-on news kind of event because... At the end of the day, it, it's still overly positive for Manila Water that the, the issue before that they may not operate again is now out of the woods. So right now, they, they can operate past 2022, right? But I think what the market is waiting for is are the details of the concession agreement, of the new concession agreement, whether whether how how much is the difference of the concession agreement before than now. So there. Yeah. Given the rally with ICT, can we expect the same with all HC? Oh, that's a good question because keep it, for for ICT, because keep in mind it's a global business. For all HC, because more on it's a logistic and warehousing mostly here in the Philippines. For ICT, because it's benefiting from higher shipping costs. It's benefiting from you know what's happening with its other ports outside the Philippines. Also, for all HC, it has kind of a different catalyst. For OHC, the main catalyst for OHC is the e-commerce activity here. The e-commerce activity in the Philippines, right? So, of course, there's increased e-commerce activity. There's there's increasing need for logistics. There's increasing need for warehousing. And that's what drives OHC. So, there. The, the next question is, can, you, can I share any insights that I got in the U.S.? So, uh, yeah, actually, I'm, I'm working from home in the U.S. And I think what I've mentioned lang naman kanina is when I took a look at the... <laughs> Jollibee restaurant, it's it's full. A lot of people, not only Filipinos, are taking out. But if actually, the fun fact, so, so Jollibee branch, sa New York is, I think it's the smallest branch I've ever seen. It's the smallest branch I've ever seen, but a lot of people are, you know, eating inside, diba? So of course, don't pay the one hundred percent capacity. Tapos, a lot of people are taking out, so that's a good signal. Right, because at the end of the day, in New York, there are a lot of restaurants, and yet the Jollibee restaurant is full. So that that's a good signal that, in terms of preference, the food is good. So there's demand. So all the more in other countries besides Philippines and US. So that, that, I think that's what I can share lang naman. Uh, but I'm I'm excited. I'm seeing a normal situation here in the US, and I'm I'm excited that 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 could be the future, in the Philippines once we hit that vaccination targets. So we'll get there. Definitely we'll get there. So it's a matter of when. Next question is, 
do I have any insights on GMA7? So yeah, for GMA7, price action, definitely another breakout. Although the candle today, September 30, is not that good. So there might be room for correction. But in terms of fundamentals, definitely election spending has yet to fully benefit GMA7. Because there are no commercials. But of course, once ma plan out na yung presidential, vice presidential slate, and then the Senate slate, there will be influx of commercials. So I'm saying that there's, there's, there's still upside in the fundamentals of GMA7. Of course, I think part of that has been priced in already. So just be careful in terms of, you know, fully being aggressive on GMA7, the stock. But the fundamentals is definitely, will definitely be better. Yeah, the question is what's the what's our year end forecast for PSEI? So I think we have we have mentioned at the start of the year that our target was around eight four to eight six. Of course, there 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 was the Delta variant, so that uh, that affected the the outlook for PSEI. But for us, in terms of the value of the PSEI, I, I would just like to emphasize what the value of the PSEI should be around eight thousand by year end. The question is, will we reach 8,000 by year end? So of course, looking at it now, it, it, it's unlikely. But the thing is, if the market does not reach 8,000 by year end, the main idea there is the market is still cheap. So I, I hope I've made it clear that while our target is around 8,000, the likelihood of the market reaching 8,000 is unlikely. But the point there is, if it does not hit 8,000 by year end, the market is still cheap. So it's still something to be bought at. That's the key takeaway there to your question. Okay, so the next question is, how can AP be a winner when coal prices have been surging? So yeah, just like I mentioned earlier, they, they just pass on the cost. They just pass on the cost. So at the end of the day, they just pass on the cost and they benefit at the end of the day from the higher power price. Because keep in mind that about this power, if you take a look at our Traders Paybook reports, we have mentioned that companies that has exposure to the wholesale electricity spot market benefit because they can sell their, their supply at higher prices. So keep in mind that power generation companies, yan. it's a different story pag power distribution ka because for power distribution, there's a smaller margin. So I hope that's clear. So next is for AC Energy. Do This, this is an interesting question. For AC Energy, does it still have an upside? You know, in terms of earnings, 100% yes, <laughs> there's still an upside for AC Energy, but I think it has been significantly priced in already. But I have to be careful because what I what we have been telling clients kasi, for these leaders, yung mga notable outperformances, okay, we recognize that the stock is expensive already, but I think we have to ride the winners. So what we tell them is, okay, you can take half the profit and just let the other half, let the other half run. So that's basically what we are recommending. So, if you're holding AC Energy, definitely it's already expensive in the power sector. It's already expensive. The prospects has been priced in already, at least the short-term prospects. But definitely it has a good, has a bright future ahead of it. So it's something worth holding at. It's just that if I have a huge exposure of AC Energy, I will just take some profit off the table. And then I'll just let the other half run. That's basically the best I can tell you right now. Okay, another question is, what stock do you think will be added to the MSA rebalancing this November? It's hard to predict now, but I think Monday is a it's a it's a possibility. So it, it has a good chance. Um, AC Energy also 
has a good chance of getting added. So, there. Okay, next question is, any possibility of dividend policy changes or even the listing possibility of AP? Well, I have to clear with you that for AP, AEV sold its stake in AP. So, AP did not sell any stake. So, in terms of the listing possibility, that's nothing, that's um, still out of the question for now. So, how's the 2022 outlook for the power sector? Well, I think demand is still there. Demand will further rebound. I think there's the supply problem will subside, but I think the supply problem will still slightly be there. So expect power prices to remain elevated. So that should bode well for power generation companies. Of course, that does not bode well for consumers, but it it's 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 net positive for the power generation companies. So next question is: Is Semerara attractive to buy? In anticipation for the third quarter financial report? That's a good question. In our previous playbook report, we actually mentioned when it was still trading at 17 pesos. Na the third quarter will be the the Semerara will sustain its third its outperformance in the third quarter. So the interesting thing is Semerara might even give special dividends. That's why I think Semerara is still good to hold because of that. So there. Oh, good question. What has been the performance of REITs versus their parent property stocks? So yeah, I have to get back to you on that, but I can show you that the performance of a REIT has outperformed significantly compared to the performance of Ayala Land, the parent property stock. I think for Phil REIT, stable. For RCR, better compared to RLC. So that's why we, we encourage investing in REITs also. It should be part of your portfolio, yung REITs. Because the misconception about REITs is their dividend yield is stable. Actually, it, it's stable, but it could even grow. It's unlike bonds. The buying bonds usually stable lang yung dividend yield, yung yield that you'll get. But for, I'm, I'm referring to bonds, yung mga bonds. But, uh, but for REITs, the dividend yield can grow years to come. So that's where, that's where you will really get a lot of uh, dividend yield and profits moving forward. With the reopening of the property sector, will it will this translate to a higher dividend yields for it? Yeah. Because a lot of people will go back to office, a lot of people will open up more businesses and will occupy more office spaces. So that that could be better for the property companies. So especially office segments. So that could translate to higher dividend yield. Okay. So will Emperador's inclusion to the Singapore Stock Exchange already priced in or will still give an upside to M's current price? Well, I think most of it has been priced in. I think uh, it's a good to take most profit, if not all profit, for Emperador. It, it, it's significantly expensive already. And a lot of consumer companies are cheaper and have better growth prospect right now. So as for Emperador. But of course, it, it, it we can't take away from them how their international business has performed. But again, I think that's already been priced in the market. Yeah. Okay, so to answer your question on Monday, what's the effect of the sell-off made by one cornerstone investor? I think that does not, that won't affect the long-term prospects of Monday. I think the, the long-term prospects still there in, in terms of short-term price action, it can be added in MSA and PSEI. So I think the dip must be bought. So that, that that comes to the next question. Is it too late to take an entry of getting to trade Monday at 19? I don't think so. But if you're quite wary of the price, you can, if for example, if you're planning to buy 100,000 pesos worth of Monday, you can buy 50,000 right now and wait 
and use the 50,000 once it pulls back to 18 and the like. So that the at least you have exposure already and yet you still have money to buy just in case it pulls back. Next is for what are your insights on DNL? Actually, we just released a report on DNL. We're positive on G- DNL. Um, it's just that you're correct. Now, your recent earnings are already at pre-pandemic level. But I think for DNL, it's somewhat of a correction. If you notice, DNL has outperformed for so long. And I think uh, investors are just shifting to cheaper names. And I think for DNL, one factor is, uh, I think, na-delay kasi yung, yung Batangas plant niya. So I think that that the market priced that in a bit. But the long-term prospects of DNL is still there. It's exposed to a lot of sectors na makes it, makes the company well-diversified. So, for example, DNL meron siyang mga ginagawa for the health sanitation, for the food. So, it's well-diversified. So, DNL is a good buy despite the correction right now. I'll answer last two questions. Question is, what's our take on the industrial sector, especially construction firms like Megawide Wholesim? Could they be profitable for years to come in relation with the build, build, build project of the government? Yes. So, of course, they're just lagging now kasi nga nung pandemic, there's limited construction activity for Megawide kasi keep in mind, construction siya and airport operator. So, the airport operation business has been the one dragging Megawide. And then for the cement businesses, Again, na-apektan sila ng pandemic. And also, there's huge competition in the cement sector. That's why their selling prices have been really tight. Nevertheless, once we, again, once we sustainably open, once we see more economic activity, these names will benefit. So it's just a matter of when, right? But definitely, I can say with almost, almost 100% uncertainty that these stocks will go up. Especially once mag-reopen yung economy. Of course, May risk pa rin, but that's why I'm saying almost 100% because the market is not yet priced in the recovery yet. And the last question is, okay, Globe. Globe has also been a winner for a while. What do you think about its current state and Gcash? Well, for Globe, definitely, yung Gcash kasi, we mentioned in the prior wrap-up na si Gcash, and the Globe has rallied because Diba, mayroong room daw to, you know, to open up the sector and then G- in Globus outperformed because management said that Gcash is now profitable. Since June, it became profitable in June, EBITDA and net income after tax positive. So, the recent moves of Gcash increasing its use cases is beneficial for them. I'm not sure if you read in Gcash that they're planning to venture into this, into this buy now, pay later service. So, of course, no? Kailangan mag-ingat ng mga Filipinos dyan kasi nga baka lumakalang yung utang. But for Gcash, that increases their use case. So that can be beneficial further for Globe uh, moving forward. Of course, for Globe, besides the usual mobile data business, the Gcash can really increase its value. right For Globe, I think there are a lot of buyers despite like, nagko-correct siya, but there, may mga sumusupport if you notice. So it continues to come back to the 3,000 levels despite, you know, pulling back to 2,8, 2,7, then babalik siya 3,000. So it's a long-term play, right? But you have to take into account that it has already priced in at least some of the benefits or some of the GCash prospects. So you have to, you know, you have to manage your expectations about Globe's share price moving forward. But definitely the fundamental growth prospects has only become brighter because of GCash. So that's it for this month's stock market wrap-up. Of course, if you want to listen, you can. Um, this will be uploaded 
in Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts within the next one to two trading days. So thank you. Of course, if you want to listen to our latest podcast, we invited our sister company, First Metro Asset Management. So we, we asked about their thoughts about the market and the economy. For those listening in their podcast, you can just scroll up a bit. So again, thank you everyone. Stay safe and hope to see you soon. And as always, in First Metrosec, hashtag your future first. So thank you. Thanks for listening to First Metro Securities Philippine Stock Market Weekly Podcast. Don't forget to follow us to get first dibs on our new episodes. For more up-to-date market news and info, exclusive content, and the opportunity to connect with your fellow Filipino investors and traders, join facebook.com slash groups slash First Metrosec and be part of the First Metrosec family. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything.